Welcome to Scandal.K12.us. Our Scandal K12 curriculum is a true crime comedy podcast about bamboozling boards, sneaky superintendents, lame learning products, and teachers who are way too cool for school. Listener discretion is always advised. Now sharpen those pencils since today you're going to want to take a lot of notes. Everything in life is on a standardized test and the answer is always 42. And now, time for morning announcements. Good morning, Scandal K-12 students, home of the Fighting Rats. Go Rats! Let's stand for the state anthem. Oh boy, enough of that. Thanks, Scandal K-12 Glee Club. You really outdid yourselves there. See you at yard time. Aloha! This morning's Power Breakfast is brought to you by the state of Hawaii, the nation's only colony that has so far made it to statehood. Hawaii is known for many things that today are considered racist stereotypes. The island state is today known for public beaches, a refusal to participate in the mainland's ritual of daylight savings. The state also gave us the ukulele cover of Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Israel Kamakalivoli. And now that we've mentioned the song, those lovely notes of the ukulele are playing in your head and will do so for days. This morning, we'd like to recognize a teacher shortage in the island state that has intensified due to low wages, a rising cost of living, and turnover that's forced some of the schools on the islands to have 50% of teaching positions staffed by either emergency hires, those are people without teaching experience or master's degrees, or by long-term substitutes. Unfortunately, a good teacher is hard to come by and difficult to keep. Unfortunately, the district will have to find a replacement for a former teacher at Ka'ilipulu Elementary School in Oahu who got into a heap of trouble. According to Jenny Garth, a student at the elementary school, the teacher seemed nice and caring and helped her with multiplication tables and fractions and showed her how to use her fingers on a multiplication chart. It makes me feel kind of bad because she was a fun teacher. It's kind of hard to see her go to jail, said Brandon Walsh, another student at the school. And it seems that not only did she make her students feel bad by breaking the law, she was also literally breaking bad. Miss Bronwyn Kugel was convicted of conspiring to distribute cocaine and ecstasy on the island, perhaps inspired by a Netflix binge watch of narcos or weeds. It appears that investigators intercepted a package sent to Bowden's home that prosecutors say contained more than two pounds of cocaine and nearly a thousand tablets of ecstasy. Huh, two pounds of yayo and a thousand fat tabs of molly? What did an airplane land in front of her house? It's not clear if this bundle of wee was delivered by Fed Ecstasy or UP Snow or the oldest bulk drug dealer in the nation, the United States Postal Service. Police intercepted the real package and perhaps after several sleepless nights and a few raves at the station, delivered a fake package and arrested her when she accepted it. Bronwyn was sentenced to three years in prison for her crime. Unfortunately, will enjoy the balmy ocean breezes of the Gathering Place Island, sitting at the Halayewa Correctional Facility. Despite her felony convictions on drug charges, Miss Bowen continues to enjoy the support of the parent community at the school and that of her family. I have every confidence that she will come back and that she will be with us as a contributing member of society, her father said. Her commitment was 100%. Her defense attorney said, perhaps with large dilated pupils or grinding his teeth. Let's mask up for this next talented educator no longer roaming the hallways. It's a real learning experience to get out and see the world, and one teacher from Campbell High School, ranked 19th in the state of Hawaii, did just that. 
Mark Allen Cooper returned to his home state from vacationing at the COVID hotspot that is Florida and went about his daily routine rather than quarantining himself, as is mandated by current state law. According to the Star Advisor, Honolulu's primary place for reprinted AP stories, an acquaintance saw him at the post office, reported him to a citizens group that helps track down people who violate the quarantine. Apparently, Cooper has quite a few frenemies on the island. The citizens group this friend of me was part of is Hawaii's Quarantine Kapu Breakers, a private group on Facebook boasting 6.5 thousand members who will turn your ass in if you don't quarantine. Apparently, the hot tip from Kapu Breakers led to the Attorney General sending as many officers as possible to the potentially COVID-positive man's house to arrest him and then take him to the very busy station for processing, perhaps to the crowded court docket, and along the way he probably touched all the vending machines in the county building before returning to his life on the outside where he could perhaps continue coughing on people and wearing his mask so that his nose is still visible as he walks through the park. Wearing masks and socially distancing have greatly changed the day-to-day -day routine for many people. All industries have been impacted by these changes, but many argue that no area has been as impacted as that of schools. In a matter of weeks, schools transformed from centers of learning to be virtual campuses, online lessons and meetings replacing the classrooms and hallways. Typically, any change in a school takes years of planning, months of meetings, and hours and hours of boring teacher trainings to implement. But not this time. With schools and districts scrambling to respond, some things may just fall by the wayside. One thing that was not quite vetted as it should be was the ACELIS curriculum adopted by the great state of Hawaii that had been used for credit recovery students for over 10 years and was now launched to meet the needs of distance learning for all. The curriculum apparently is fraught with inaccuracies and alleged racist content and seems to be the product of a mad scientist, a magician who is also a prophet and patriarch of his own church. This curriculum and the godhead behind it will be the topic of this distance learning chapter we're calling scandal.k12.us forward slash Bishop Batman. Before we get to the tropical windward islands of Hawaii, land of volcanoes, we must start our journey in about the most opposite of places as you can imagine, the arid landscape of Utah, home of mountains, Mormons, and Roseanne Barr. We wanted to say mule deer for the alliteration, but Roseanne Barr, right, from Utah. It just makes sense. To get to Hawaii's curriculum cluster, we have to start by learning more about the career of one Roger Billings, the founder of the educational company that provided this resource to the island state as well as to many others. Along with Billings, you must also get to know our friend the hydrogen atom and the hydrogen worldview, a subject Roger Billings has built his life around. And if you're not following our story now, please hang on. It only gets weirder from here. I am thermal. I will do for you such a trick only me and the stars can do. Pay attention. Now sharpen up your pencils before we get into the curriculum. We're going to get a little perspective of the company and the man behind all the hubbub, but before this we have to go way, way back to 1948, the year where 12th Street Rag by Pee Wee Hunt was the top song in the nation. Now, kids, you may think this is grandpa's music, but you know it in ukulele instrumentation form from the popular cartoon SpongeBob. Go ahead, Google it. Well, long before SpongeBob and the Atomic Flounder, there was Roger Billings, an Atomic Age man. Billings was born in 1948 in a small Mormon family of six children. With five siblings, he was basically a Mormon-only child. 
Growing up in Utah, he was the fifth generation native of Provo, and he took to science as a boy thanks to a grandmother who bought him dangerous chemistry sets and telescopes. She also taught him how to use them. Now, fun with science back then was a little different. The most popular, mm, we'll call them toys, like Mr. Wizard's science kit. Some of these kits contained many acids and lots of glass beakers. And, and perhaps Grandma got him the Gilbert U-238 Atomic Energy Lab, which was an actual radioactive toy and learning set sold in the 1950s. It cost $49.50, and it came with four samples of uranium-bearing ores. It also came with a Geiger-Muller radiation counter and various other tools that you could play with as you slowly started glowing. Well, by the third grade, with all these science kits around, he hadn't blown himself up by mixing sugar and potassium chloride with a hint of sulfuric acid, but he did know that he wanted to become a scientist. According to the LA Times, Billings didn't just want to become a scientist, he wanted to become the scientist who would finally harness the power of the hydrogen atom to do more than level cities, but to power cars and houses and offer energy independence to everyone. Ah, our friend the atom. Billings knew from that young age that he wanted to become the Thomas Edison of the Church of Latter-day Saints. When he was in high school, he persuaded his father to donate an old green farm truck, a Model A pickup board that he would modify to run on hydrogen. He was really excited about alternative energy for cars, perhaps much in the way young hipsters today get all excited by converting school buses to run on used cooking oil. He went to work taking apart this entire vehicle and rebuilding it for this new alternative fuel. After many failed attempts that apparently did not end with the truck detonating in the Utah desert, Billings and his little brother, Lewis, as his assistant, managed to convert the old truck to run on hydrogen. For his efforts, he drove this hydrogen-powered Model A truck to the high school and won the top prize at a school science fair. So, yeah, so what did you do for your high school science fair? Freeze a rubber ball to make it stop bouncing? Drop a few eggs covered in tape and straws from a window? Perhaps you made mice get lost in a labyrinth. Well, Billings drove a hydrogen-powered truck to school. That's pretty badass. Hydrogen. One, two, three, four. What is hydrogen? The smallest atom from which you build all the older atoms. Anyway, this dynamo of a school project jump-started his educational career, and he attended Brigham Young University, the historically off-off-Broadway live-action Book of Mormon show, for a bit before he started out on his own ventures. Billing was indeed smart for his time. In 1971, Billings received a research grant from the Ford Motor Company to forward his work creating hydrogen-powered cars, at least according to www.rogerebillings.com www.enacademic.com and lms24.co.uk, all of which may be reporting off of press releases written by Billings and his friends, since, as we will learn later, they are very prolific online shitposters. While we may be talking about baby boomers, never underestimate old people's ability to use technology. The scope of our existence has changed in a few short years from the planet Earth to outer space, to outer space, to outer space, to outer space. With this early boost in his career by Ford Motors, in 1972, Billings started the eponymous Billings Energy Research Corporation, a company that with the investment of notables like John Hansen, founder of the Winnebago Company, makers of the iconic Breaking Bad motorhome, Willis Hawkins, chairman of Lockheed, California, makers of the now $22 billion over budget, already $95 million per jet F-35 fighter jet. And George Romney, founder of American Motors and makers of Mittens Romney, failed presidential contender. 
1974 at Brigham Young University, Billing studied physics, chemistry, and electrical, mechanical, and chemical engineering, graduating with a Bachelor of Science degree in 1974. During his university studies, Billings was selected by Bill Lear, the creator of the Lear Jet, to be his mentee. With Lear as a mentor, and already with a growing career, it seemed that nothing could stop this charged proton from doing great things. In 1977, Billings established the also eponymous Billings Computer Corporation that made high-end microcomputers. According to an old press release, these computers had an optional tape drive and came in cases so that a fully optioned system would stand about four feet high. I guess micro meant something very different in 1977. With all this energy and computer networking and such, Billings was busy, but not so busy he couldn't participate in Jimmy Carter's 1977 inaugural parade, driving his own hydrogen-powered Cadillac down the route. That same year, unflagged and onto new ventures, he went on to build a dream home in Provo, the first and perhaps only hydrogen homestead, a house powered entirely from hydrogen. The house was two stories and was located on... Uh, Hindenburg Lane, which is disconcerting to say the least, considering what the Hindenburg blimp went and did. Oh, the humanity. Now, all this activity got the attention of so many people in publications, such as Popular Science and as well as Mother Earth News, the original crunchy, back-to-the-land, almost cuckoo, alt-left publication. According to staff writers, Mother Earth News editors, I guess they write as a collective, the Billings Energy Corporation has drawn up a 10-year plan that's now on its way to becoming a reality. The initial goal is to have the 4,000-person community of Far City, Iowa, fully converted to hydrogen power, including autos, buses, and municipal vehicles, within the next five years. Everybody needs to know. Yes, this does mean you. Everything seemed to be going well for Billings. However, things were going to get very elemental. While the 1970s were a booming period for Billings' life, it seems that when one hits one's 30s and closer to the Jesus year, that's supposedly the 33rd year of life, life can become more lemons than lemonade. Along with Far City, Iowa remaining carbon-dependent despite high hopes from the hydrogen house, Billings had a few other snares. He got voted off his own company by shareholders at the Billings Energy Corporation after a mining operation or something else resulted in many quarterly losses for shareholders. There were a number of slightly conflicting sources, so the point is that he was out and shareholders were in, power to the people, except without Billings, the entire venture fell apart in a number of years. As to a few other ventures, he seems to have run out of funds for some of these projects, so they became bogged down in the details. The hydrogen house became nothing more than a memory. They've even renamed the street from Dear Dear Hindenburg to the very generic Mountain Vista. Billings also became embroiled in what would become a decades-old patent battle with Novell Incorporated over some networking ideas he claims to have had. Well, life was serving lots of lemons. It was about this time when Billings met Kennesay, a charismatic Utah sales manager who was about to serve up some lemonade. Kennesay was a successful insurance salesman who worked for the A.L. Williams Associates, which is now Primerica Financial Services, or Primerica, a leader in term life insurance. Remember, kids, buy term and invest the difference. Kennesay was married and had four kids. He loved recreation, flying, and outdoor life. He also loved being a Mormon, and he loved women. He loved women so much, he embraced polygamy, and loved being a Mormon so much, he received a series of heavenly manifestations that led him to believe he was a reincarnation of the Mormon prophet Joseph Smith, and at other times claimed to be Moses. 
1984, the Church of Jesus Christ Saints of Zion was formed by the Moses Joseph Smith Canise and a group of Mormons headed by Roger Billings. Unfortunately, like most schismatics, or fissions to borrow more, ecumenical and scientific term, Canisei and Billings and the rest of them were excommunicated from the Mormon church, but that was okay since they were already upset that the church had abandoned polygamy, and by this time they were living the dream in the show-me state that is Missouri. Sadly, the reincarnation of Joseph Smith, Canisei, was involved in a fatal Cessna airplane accident with his wife on March 12, 1985. It seems the couple had recently purchased property in the show-me state and were flying back to the beehive state of Utah to make arrangements to have their personal effects shipped to their new home. The airplane they were flying was only two weeks old, however, based on an examination of the crash site and some of the debris, which was kilometers from the point of impact, it was determined that the plane had exploded in midair. In a further court case against the manufacturer of the airplane, Cessna, which to date has had 25,865 crashes in the past 37 years based on all the Cessna models combined, bested only by Piper and Beach, according to Clifford Law Offices, specialists in aviation accidents and incidentally rated four stars on Yelp, Facebook, Lawyers.com, and wherever else interns can log in and post reviews. Anyway, the plane crash and loss was devastating to the congregation and his family, even more so as it was later ruled a suicide by the court who sided against Kenesay's children in their claim against Cessna. According to court documents, Ken's second wife, or, or additional wife, or sister wife, sued for custody of the children, but it seems she lost the case and Kenesay's children returned to Utah and to the regular Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that today does not believe in polygamy. With Kenesay having tossed Billings the leadership keys from an exploding plane, Billings became the head of a new church and he kept looking towards the future, and that future was powered by science, many wives, and a whole lot of hydrogen. In 1985, Billings and some associates founded the underground university, the International Academy of Science in Blue Springs, Missouri, in order to build Zion, or the Corporation of God. Now, saying this institution was underground, we don't just mean the university was unaccredited by mainstream teaching organizations and operated with a level of privacy that bordered on paranoid secrecy. Indeed, the university was unaccredited and secret, but what we mean is that the entire institution was literally underground. As in, built in a cave. Yes, we'll give you a moment to skip back a bit on the podcast and re-listen. The whole institution was literally underground and built in a cave. We're going to learn more about this underground facility and the authors of the Acellus curriculum after this break. The second half of tonight's reading will resume. In some parts of the country, there are storm cellars or outside vegetable storage cellars. If you plan to use such a cellar or your basement or any other shelter, stock it with food and supplies. You'll want plenty of fruit juices and lots of your family's favorite canned foods. The Academy of Science was also referred to as Science Mountain, which sounds like a ride at the old formerly racist Disney World, but this network of caves housed research laboratories, development and production facilities, dorms, homeschooling classrooms, church temple and meeting rooms, kitchens, common dining areas, and everything else members, well that is students and researchers needed. Because of Billings's cave lifestyle, Reddit user Jurassic Park 6 on a subreddit for ex-Mormons dubbed him Bishop Batman. 
Billings was an early graduate of this institution he founded, having gotten a doctorate of research from his own non-credited International Academy of Science. According to a 2005 article in The Pitch, Kansas City's independent source of news and culture, Science Mountain was a bustling underground complex of aquaponics labs, indoor waterfalls, fake windows painted on caves to simulate the outdoors, meeting rooms, classrooms. It seemed more science fiction than science fact. However, this place was very real, and some families apparently lived in the caves for years, rarely leaving for the above-ground world. On a Reddit thread for former Mormons, user Inc. claims, We hardly ever left the caves. It was only a handful of times that I distinctly remembered leaving. Everyone ate as an entire group. They did their own schooling inside for the kids who lived there, did their own church meetings inside the big stage room they had, and ran businesses out of the caves from what I can recall. Another writer on the Reddit thread, who was identified by others as Billings' son, wrote that what is eaten, how often TV's watched, what hobbies are acceptable, and when individuals go to bed and wake up, as well as many, many other boring details of daily life, were strictly controlled by the founder. In this cave environment, according to a comprehensive article by 10Medium.com's Science and Technology Wing, students were manipulated into working for Billings, and that Science Mountain was the central hub for Billings' many, many companies that, on the whole, were technology as well as educational ventures. In these underground laboratories and meeting rooms, Acellus Academy was born, a curriculum created by years of unpaid work by people who are literally micromanaged as well as told who to marry and when to split up. According to reporting by One Zero, who interviewed some primary sources, some already married women were instructed to become Billings' companions, and exotic devotions by half-clad women and girls were not uncommon at temple gatherings. Now, it isn't every educational technology product that's created by celestial daughters or plural soulmates in a science cave religious cult, but Acellus Academy was serving up that fresh plate of Stranger Things. <laughs> All the strange, let's build Zion, based on hydrogen energy and have multiple wives aside, Bishop Batman was very successful in launching many lucrative companies that continued to come up with new inventions. As with the other ventures of Zion, Acellus Academy made money. Acellus was sold to homeschool families as well as fit the need for many districts, especially those with large populations of struggling students who needed what schools call credit recovery. Credit recovery is a strategy that encourages at-risk students to retake a previously failed course required for high school graduation, so they may graduate with a regular degree and not be in high school until they're 21. Credit recovery is often what keeps students from wandering about the hallways until they're an adult, having failed bio three or more times, or entirely dropping out of school and lowering the overall graduation rate of the school and ultimately the district. Strangely enough, it may have been the race to the top legislation that got Acellus out of the caves and into the classrooms. Thanks, Obama. Back in 2010, under the Obama administration, a competitive grant was announced by the federal government known as Race to the Top, also known as R-Numeric-2-T or R-T-T or R-T-T-T. These grants were part of a $4.5 billion pot of money as part of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. You know that act. It's the one that got us out of the Great Recession, or at least got certain banks and corporations out of the Great Recession. Now, the T2T money was won by a number of states, including the state of Hawaii. One of the goals was school improvement. It was certainly then in the interest of the state to purchase more products to help those at-risk students and increase graduation. And Hawaii was not the only state to adopt Acellus. 
Missouri, Arizona, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and many other schools around the nation. By 2017, it was reported that the revenue for Arcellus was $9 million, with thousands of schools across the nation and over 6,000 schools worldwide using the curriculum. That kind of money can keep a lot of celestial daughters in long skirts that cover their ankles. Now, for a while, Bishop Batman was doing well and things were turning along, but as we know, when things fall apart, they do so quickly and often for unusual reasons. So enter COVID, the international pandemic. Due to this issue, the entire society had to relocate to their homes. It actually seems like a good time to be in a cave, perhaps. The education technology industry has benefited from the current pandemic. Not that they meant to. EdTech, you see, can be turned on and off with the click of a mouse, and people needed the distance learning products, and they needed them right away. The pandemic has led to educators having to change decades of practice with little or no notice. Hawaii's Department of Education needed to quickly act, and remember, districts cannot just click a mouse. They don't typically purchase and deploy things quickly. As you may have heard in other episodes, the purchasing process typically takes years or months, and when purchases are made, districts or states are locked into those contracts that last for years and encumber the budget for each of those years of the contract. If you spent millions of dollars on books or curriculum, the payment may be over the years of that contract. Now, when you switch to another product, it may be hard to further encumber taxpayers for an additional purchase on top of the you tell them, okay, well, the textbooks we paid millions of dollars for, they're all locked up in school buildings. Can we borrow a few more million dollars for an online solution? And in education, the days when reading, writing, and arithmetic were the only essentials are gone. So in a way, it was understandable that the district did what they had to do using what was already in their arsenal. They identified their distance learning product, a product that they'd used for 10 years that had been keeping at-risk or disengaged students occupied in school without the cost of a specialized teacher or allowed these students to stay home using the Acellus Learning Accelerator. Purchasing a few more licenses seemed like a good idea, and so Acellus went from the sleepy backwater that is at-risk students, since people don't always check on products used with kids they've already written off in the system, and Acellus broke into the mainstream of regular classrooms and teachers who show up to work for the particular calling of their vocation and not the paycheck. With more eyes on the Acellus product, it was not long before critics started finding fault with the racist, sexist, allegedly Islamophobic content. With hundreds of hours or lessons, mistakes happen, especially when sister wives are hard at work over 12-hour days each day of the year, outside of Sabbath, of course, where they perhaps dance the night away in veils to praise their maker with the gifts he has bestowed upon them. It seems that California was the first to officially sound the alarm. They put out a memo in September of 2020 that some of the content contained racist depictions of black Americans, at least one question that perpetuates Islamophobic stereotypes, and a lesson that uses words and images associated with a firearm. The latter was picked up by the Wall Street Journal, the historically center-right publication, with their article, G is for Gun, Online Curriculum Outrages Parents. While California had sounded the alarm with the memo, there was already grassroots outcry from parents and teachers in Hawaii who took the Department of Education and held them to account. At first, the DOE dismissed the issues in the curriculum. The response may seem initially tin-eared, but one could argue that other curriculum publishers, allegedly well-researched, allegedly vetted, have gotten in trouble for individual mistakes in their overall product. Scholastic was roasted for distributing a birthday cake for George Washington, which was recalled due to it depicting slavery in a very, we'll say, whitewashed manner. And hadn't McGraw-Hill called slaves immigrants and workers in hundreds of thousands of printed books to which they just mailed and then slapped stickers over the offending pages? 
And didn't Hugh Miffin Hardcore get pulled from California State Adoption over their treatment of LGBTQ issues? Not to mention, whatever happened to Pearson's 2017 racist nursing textbook? And as you can tell, Pearson and the others are still used by schools all over the nation. With that amount of material put out by curriculum creators, the occasional oopsie-doodle is bound to happen here and there. Nevertheless, the more the parents and educators reviewed the over 300 courses for K-12 education, the more it was not just these few questions that needed to be replaced, people started wondering how a state agency had managed to purchase curriculum content from a company that was not just tied to a group of people collectively living in a cave, but was produced by people living in a cage and produced by what McGraw-Hill may erroneously call workers, that is, people working without any financial compensation. While the focus was initially on the content, the issue evolved into more than just the content, since, of course, the aforementioned publishers made gross errors but made amends and continued to do business with different districts. The issue became more about the potential theology of the authors of this content and the strange organization behind the entire endeavor. At least Pearson, McGraw-Hill, Hugh Miffin, Harcourt, and Scholastic are godless capitalists using interns and an unlimited workforce of overworked, underpaid, seven sisters, English major graduates, rather than sister wives, LARPing in a real-world, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. The Hawaii Department of Education insisted they had reviewed Asellus instructional materials. These materials were aligned to national standards and were endorsed by the Western Association of Schools and Colleges, the National Commission for Certifying Agencies, and the College Board. Oh, sorry, we mean College Board. With endorsements from three huge respected educational organizations that do business above ground, that is, not in caves, it must be that the stamp of approval was only given after rigorous reviews or something. The DOE also claimed that Acellus met the standards for their data sharing agreement to ensure that the platform met the requirements to safely house student information. From a certain vantage point, racist content aside, the platform and the curriculum met all the criteria. In some ways, Bishop Batman's people had done what they needed to. They had created a huge product, sold it for a competitive rate, and checked the boxes district buyers needed to tick. According to an email obtained by 1-0, a principal said that claims against Acellus were baseless and, according to that principal, the specious accusations had been traced by the company to one of its competitors. But these rationales were not playing with the public. There was a growing number of parents and teachers with Frankenstein rakes and torches outside the DOE castle in the form of posts on social media, the current venue for peasant mob violence. Finally, the answer was clear. It was all of the above. A spokesperson for the Hawaii State Department of Education told 1-0, After receiving numerous parent, school, and community questions and complaints in recent months around issues of questionable and inappropriate content, of rigor, alignment to standards, and other areas, the DOE has initiated a uh, multidisciplinary review. After the multidisciplinary review, and with additional pressure by Hawaiian news outlets as well as growing scrutiny from parents and teachers in the state as well as on the mainland, Hawaii scuttled their plans to use Bishop Batman's product as the premier online tool to shepherd students through the dark winter that is the COVID epidemic and the horror that is distance learning. This doesn't mean that they banned it from all educational use in the state, but it just won't be rolled out to every student. Now, Acellus responded to the accusations and criticism with a number of social media videos by Billings claiming that all content areas were corrected and denying any racism or malicious content in the curriculum. However, the damage had been done. Billings seemed to constantly court celebrity, and now it came in the worst possible form, a digital lynch mob shining the light of day in a dark cave. Be very careful what you ask the universe for. It typically delivers that in a form you don't like.
Since the state of Hawaii dropped the curriculum, Marcellus continues to be used by schools as well as a growing homeschool audience. Billing continues to run as many businesses above and below ground as well as lead an organization that may or may not be a radical and unhinged interpretation of Joseph Smith's original and rather unhinged teachings. Many publications have come to the defense of Acellus. However, according to One Zero, these newspaper sources are what they call pink slime journalism and seem to originate from a common media company that just happens to be located in the show-me state of Missouri, just close enough to Science Mountain to make one wonder about their reporting integrity and if it isn't published by a cave full of internet trolls. Never assume old people don't know how to use technology, especially if that old person already knows how to use hydrogen. We drew on extensive research for this story, but we especially relied on some key sources. There's a 2005 article, Dr. Hydrogen, by Allie Johnson, writing for The Pitch. We also benefited from the original journalism of Sarah Emerson and Matthew Giles, where they interviewed many former members of Science Mountain. You can find their article. A popular online learning platform was actually created by an underground religious cult on One Zero, an independent publication of Media.com, and since, as of 2019, Medium is not profitable, we would advise you to go over and read the article as soon as possible, toss some coins before the lights go out. We'll put all these links and more in the show notes on the website www.scandalk12us.com. While we don't recommend joining a cult, we will also put a link to one of Roger Billings' videos where his staff discuss how they produce the Acellus curriculum. He's a fascinating person, and there is so much more to him than that one story. But if you're awake in the middle of the night and mindlessly doom-scrolling, just Google Roger Billings on your own and hold on. It's a wild ride. And now, time for one final announcement. The years 2007 to 2011 were an endless party for one PTA president. However, her madcap adventures came to an end with her arrest and conviction for stealing money from the school PTA organization. Donna Taylor, a parent and alumna of the Lanaki School, today known as Kaoha Public Charter School, has to repay $50,574.41 to the school's PTA fund. It seems that over several years she was sifting off a little coin as well as helping herself to a $25,000 grant from Lowe's that was intended to build a sun shelter for students so they could eat outside and avoid being pooped on by exotic birds, according to the current and not-incarcerated PTA president. A note about the pronunciation. As we work on this podcast, we will receive more diction classes so that we can more accurately represent the diversity of names of people, places, and other things in the way that they are intended to be pronounced. We will achieve that buttery NPR sound by hook or by crook. Thank you for listening, and aloha. If you have an educational scandal about something going on in your school or district that you think needs to be shared, send it to scandal k12us at gmail.com. We can't do a bake sale, so we have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash scandal k12us. We have school choice at the Scandal K-12 community. You can enroll at the public school level. You can also join at the charter school, private school, or homeschool levels and receive benefits, some of which we're still building out. While we primarily rely on trusted edited sources, we may also use the information found on citizen journalist websites such as blogs and forums. All parties are presumed innocent unless proven guilty in a court of law. All opinions are the opinion of the opinionator, and facts are reviewed but not guaranteed because sometimes we just don't do our homework. Thanks to all the contributors on the Freesound Project at freesound.org. Credits will be listed on our website, www.scandalk12us.com. 
If you like what you hear, rate us highly on whatever platform you access podcasts on, whether it's Apple or Stitcher or Spotify or is there another one? Also, please recommend us to the friends you sit with at the lunch table or the popular kids you want to impress. I'm sure a few jocks need to hear this too. Remember the saying, tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. Screw me over and you're on scandal.k12.us. Nan